0: Thank you very much. And what time uh, do you usually wrap up? About quarter till. Okay, excellent. Very good. Well, it's good to be with you all this morning. And uh, my name is Richard Weavis, my son Caleb, and I apologize for not having my whole family with me. Um, my wife and girls are back in Belleville. Uh, we are out of the Faith Baptist Church of Belleville, Illinois, and uh, and my my second oldest is in as a senior in high school. This is her last semester in high school. And, uh, and even though we are doing some homeschooling, it's, uh, she's involved in volleyball, and she's also doing driver's ed. And, uh, and the poor girl is, uh, is getting, um, she's got her plate full to say the least. And uh, with us traveling, uh, the kids have to be real flexible with their, with their schoolwork. Sometimes they end up having to make up stuff later. And uh, and she doesn't have that. Flexibility this semester because it's our last semester, and uh, so uh, uh, we're traveling. We're not traveling uh, as much as a family these days. Although over the years uh, we have, uh, well, we've been in Scotland now for ten years, and with all the traveling that we've done as a family, I have taken my family on the road. We have traveled over over three hundred thousand miles together as a family, and uh, so now that uh, uh, now that they've gotten a little bit older, uh, and, and at the stage of Life we're at right now. I'm giving them a little bit of more options. If they don't want to travel with me, it's okay. And uh, so, uh, uh, but it gives Caleb. He, he's been able to get some driving in this week. He's doing his driver's ed. You know what the driver's ed thing? They have to get. They have to log in. What is it? 50 hours before they can actually get their license. So he got in. Would you get in? Three hours and 15 minutes of driving yesterday. And uh, not too bad, and uh, and so today you'll probably get at least another three going home today. And uh, but uh, let's see here, my wife and I we've been married now for this year makes twenty five years that we've been married, and uh, we have three kids: our girls Brianna and Brittany, and then our son Caleb. is nineteen, Brittany's uh, she'll be eighteen this summer. Caleb is sixteen years of age, and uh, we've been involved uh, in the ministry, working full time in the ministry for uh, twenty. Uh, no, just over 22 years now. And I've worked, uh, I worked as Brother Baker's assistant for 12 years. And uh, youth director, uh, associate pastor, uh, Sunday school teacher, worked in the Christian school, and uh, bus director, and everything else the pastor didn't want to do, basically as they say. And uh, so, uh, but uh, it's, a, it's just a blessing to be able to serve the Lord. And we're thankful that we have the opportunity to be able to serve in Scotland. Uh, I grew up as a military brat. My dad started out in the Marine Corps. He spent uh, seven years in the Marine Corps and then he went into the Air Force, a little bit more family friendly. And, uh, and then he finished up his 23 years of service in, in, with the Air Force. We moved on the average of once a year. From the time I was uh, 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 from kindergarten all the way through uh, 12th grade in high school, I was in 14 different schools and only got kicked out of one. Amen. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we, we had the privilege of living in the Philippines, uh, Germany, England, and then various places around the United States. And it was while we were living in Germany back in the early 80s, that, uh, that I heard the gospel, and at, uh, at the age of 15... I trusted Christ as my Savior. And it was because of a missionary that I got saved. And, uh, and I love missionaries. And, uh, and I'm thrilled and honored that God has called me to be a missionary uh, to Scotland. And Scotland is an unusual place. Uh, when, we, when, we, when we do the DVD presentation this morning, you'll get a chance to see a little bit about the place. And, uh, and hear a little bit about the people of Scotland. And uh, it, is, uh, it is a very unusual place. Beautiful, there's no doubt about that. Uh, You see pictures of it. It is a very green place. And that's because it rains so much. And uh, I think it's around 300 days a year it rains. And uh, uh, it's, um, it's, uh, it's far north. It's as far north as Siberia. And so, in the in the uh, winter time, the days are very short. Uh, in the summertime, the days are very long. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, it, we don't because of the Gulf Stream. We don't get as much snow as Siberia. Uh, in fact, uh, because of the Gulf Stream, uh, even though we are as far north as Siberia, we have palm trees in Scotland. It is just, it's an unusual place. Uh, it's a land of castles. Many of which are still lived in today. Uh, the history is absolutely phenomenal. They have hundreds and thousands of years of history, uh, and, uh, and and the sites uh, uh, are just incredible. Uh, it's got a, a, such a diversity of geography from the uh, from the great uh, mountains uh, up in the north, the highlands, the uh, thousands and thousands of miles of coastline. You're never any more than seventy miles from the ocean. Uh, the cities, the old cities that they have. Uh, Edinburgh is, uh, has been rebuilt several times. And there are places that you can go in the city and go into underground caverns and actually see the old city. And they just built the city right up and built on top of it and built on top of it. And it's quite phenomenal. Uh, the history. Uh, the King James Bible has a great history in Scotland. Uh, King James who authorized the translation of the Bible even though he was King James the 1st of England he was King James the 6th of Scotland. And before before they authorized this Bible to be translated in English, he actually approached the churches of Scotland, met with the clergy, met with the congregations, met with the churches to make sure that it was something that that Scotland wanted. And when they put their full force and approval behind it, he went ahead with it. And, uh, and the place that they met is a place called Burnt Island. It's a little town about 45 minutes from us. And the church that they met in uh, to have this little business meeting, that church still stands today. That church was built back in the 1300s. Uh, It's just incredible. The history is unbelievable. Uh, Places uh, uh, John Knox uh, preached in, in churches just a few miles from where I preach every Sunday. David Livingston, his home was just a few miles down the road from where I stand to preach every single week. The place that he would come back to and visit uh, whenever he would come back to, uh, to Scotland for a respite uh, was, uh, was literally just a few, hundred mile, uh, a few hundred yards from where we live in Scotland. Uh, a tree that he planted is right across the river from where we live. Uh, the, the history, uh, David Livingston, John Payton, Mary Slesher, Robert Moffat, great missionaries, all are from that part of Scotland. Quite an incredible place. Uh, but, on the, uh, on the flip side of it, Scotland is uh, its not the spiritually great place that it used to be, although it is still a very spiritually active place. And I think I can say this with with, with the folks that are in here. We don't have any young kids. Uh, It is a very spiritually active place, but it's not the right kind of spirit. Uh, Number one place in the world for UFO sightings. 80% of the people in Scotland claim to have had contact with folks beyond the grave. Uh, we have heard and seen things that you can only attribute to the spiritual world. And you can even talk to my kids. They have also seen and heard things. Some of the stories would, I mean, to make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. I mean, it's just, it's an amazing thing. But what it reminds us is, is that the devil is alive and well. Yeah. And uh, and I think that he's got a Scottish address. Amen. I think he lives there. At least if, if he's not vacationing there, he's living there full time. And uh, and it's uh, it is an amazing thing. Uh, we we uh, we have a we are involved in a spiritual battle, and uh, and there's no doubt about that. Uh, we are we are insulated from a lot of that here in America. Uh, we are so Christianized that we are uh, calloused. To the, uh, to the spiritual warfare that's really going on. And, uh, and, uh, but it's, uh, it, it's, uh, it's an experience anyways, uh, the, the, to be able to minister in that place. Uh, at one time, they, uh, they were the place of great preaching, great revivals, great missionary endeavors. But yet today, they are far from that. Today, you will find that less than 1% of the people go to church at all. And of course, less than that, claim to even be saved. Uh, It's uh, here in America, you can still go to restaurants and see people bow their heads and pray over a meal. Uh, Or you you might even hear them praying out loud. Uh, you go to Walmart and you walk up and down the aisles, and it's not uncommon if you were to do it today. Say, for instance, you, you might hear people in the next aisle over talking about church. Boy, wasn't that a great message from the pastor this morning? Hey, we need to remember to pray for Sister So and So. She missed Sunday school because she's sick. Oh, somebody needs to go by and visit her. Boy, wasn't that a great? Wasn't that a great? Uh, a great choir special this morning, and you will hear things like that. In Scotland, you never hear that. Nobody ever talks about the Lord in public, and uh, uh, and and if, if if anything is said in public, you try you try to talk about the Lord, and and the response that you get is one that is hostile. Uh, people belittle you. I've, I've had I've had people that I count as friends that uh, say, well, you know what? If if you are so weak that you need a crutch like God, it's okay for you, but. I'm strong enough to trust in myself. That's something. And uh, and, and or, or statements like, uh, "Well, uh, you know what? If there is a God, then I can't wait before till I can stand before Him because He's got a lot to answer for." You know, I'm nervous about saying that. I'm nervous about repeating that. But yet, people have that kind of an attitude and animosity and hatred toward even the thought or the concept of God. You know what? What happened? What happened from being a hotbed of preaching and great revivals to where we are today? I'll tell you what happened. Same thing that's happened in America. And we're going the same way that they went. I think we're getting there faster. And uh, it's a warning to us that well, we, better, we better stay in our Bibles. We better stay busy about the work of the Lord. And, uh, because uh, we're not exempt from what's happened to them. And they need the Gospel. People, I've had people tell me, say, well, you know, what? we shouldn't waste our time sending missionaries to Scotland. They had their chance and they blew it. Well, hold on, time out. Some some of the great uh, preachers and great revivalists that that we can give credit to, what's happened here in America, came from Scotland. We owe them a debt. But not only that, what about the young people today? Young people in Scotland, they weren't the ones who turned their back on God. You know, young people today, they don't know anything about going to church. Young people in Scotland, they don't they don't know what Sunday school is. Young people in Scotland today, majority of them have never heard the crucifixion story. Many, many young people today have never even seen a Bible. Most homes, the majority of homes, don't even have a copy of the Bible in their houses. Most children have never seen one word of the, of the Word of God before. It's amazing to see the, uh, uh, the young people respond to the gospel. We had a, a vacation Bible school, our, our first vacation Bible school in Scotland, and, uh, and and the kids came we just couldn't we just couldn't get over it. Man, we had we we advertised on the local paper and man those kids just came. I think on our big day we had sixty seven kids that came. It was only a one-week vacation Bible school, and every day the thing crowd just grew and grew and grew. And we had we had a, a, a contest going throughout the week. We kept it real simple. You got points for coming, you got points for memorizing the verse, and you got points for bringing visitors. And boy, the kids were bringing visitors. And then they were racking up the points. And we had gone out and we bought all these great prizes. Art projects and models and stuff like that. And we put them in a great big old basket. And we set them up so everybody could see it. And we'd, we'd encourage the kids, you know, Hey, these are the prizes. You know, you, you earn, you know whoever wins the mo- gets the most points will get to dig in that basket. And I think we, we set a, a certain level. you had, had to get above so many points. Well, by Thursday, we realized we had a problem. We'd only planned on about 20 kids coming. And we had almost 70. And we had far more kids that qualified to win prizes than we had prizes. And it was one of those things, it was was Thursday night, all all the shops were closed, and it dawned on us, uh oh, we are in trouble. <laughs> we don't have enough prizes, and of course, we went through the kids, our kids' stuff, and uh, they didn't have anything nice enough to put in there. And uh, so, uh, what we did is, uh, is uh, I started digging through the store closet, and I and I found a case of gift and award Bibles. You know those Bibles that we give kids? They're real. They're real inexpensive. They got the paper cover. That way, if they tear them up, you know they're only tearing up a two dollar Bible instead of a twenty dollar Bible. Well, we had a whole bunch of those. Uh, I think we had 11 of those. 11 of those Bibles. And uh, and they were still in the wrapper. You know, they were brand new. had a variety of colors, you know. And so we took those Bibles. Now, I'll tell you, I wasn't real spiritual about it. I took the Bibles and I hid them in the bottom of the basket. To make it look like we had more prizes than we really had. And, uh, and so uh, so you know the day came when, when we were announcing all the winners and we had, a, we had a chart up on the wall with all the kids' name and all the points and, and uh, we figured them up on that last day and so we announced them, started with the grand prize winner, and uh, let, let that, that child come up first and, and I think it was a girl by the name of Louise, 12 year- old girl. She had the most points, so she came down, and the boy everybody was cheering for her and everything, and everybody's so excited, she came down. she started digging through the basket to see what she wanted for a prize. And lo and behold, she found in the bottom of that basket a pink gift and award Bible. And she took that thing. And, uh, and, and to me, I mean, I, I was excited because that left more of the real prizes, right? For the other kids. I'm still not being very spiritual, right? So she takes that. And, uh, and then the next kid comes up. And he takes a gift and award Bible. And child after child that came up. Chose the Bibles over all of those big expensive gifts. And when the 12th kid came up, he dug through the basket, and he finally looked up at me and said, are there no more Bibles? Boy, I tell you what, I felt like a heel. Those kids, I didn't realize at that time, not a one of them, not a one of those homes had a Bible in it. None of those kids had ever owned their own Bible before. And those kids... Man, they took that Bible and they just hugged it. They just, they, they, it was the most precious thing to them. You know what? You know, we, we, we're calloused here. I mean, I mean how, how many Bibles you got? How many Bibles your kids got sitting at home? You know, you find them under the bed. You find them in the closet. And these kids, man, just one Bible I meant all the world to them. And uh, it's uh, it's an interesting ministry that we have in Scotland. But uh, for, with the DVD presentation this morning, we'll uh, get a chance to, to see a little bit more about it, to hear a little bit more about it. And uh, and uh, now let me. Um, you said quarter till, right? Okay, is that clock correct? It is. All right. So let, let me do this. Do you have any questions about Scotland or about the work in Scotland or about what the Lord's doing with us in Scotland? This is your one chance. <laughs> And, uh, and I mean, after the services this morning, of course, we'll be around for a little bit for the fellowship and so forth. So we, we'll answer some questions during that time as well. Yes, sir? European socialism, how's that leading in over there? Scotland is, at best, they're socialists. There are so many people that are communist, atheism is, is rampant. Uh, uh, the, uh there, there's something going on right now. I don't know if you've heard about the uh, uh they've got a resolution up to vote for independence this year, and it's it's um it's it's the communists. They're they're they're, they're fueling this thing. They are they're fueling unrest in Scotland, and uh and, and the bottom line is Scotland's never had it any better than what they've got right now. I mean they. they it's fine. There's no reason to be voting for independence. Uh, but, uh, but it is socialist. It's a, it's a nanny state. Uh, the taxes are outrageous. We, uh, we pay almost $12 a gallon for fuel. We pay almost $7 a gallon for milk. We pay tax upon tax. Uh, value-added taxes is added to everything. That's 20%. Uh, it's just—it's outrageous. It's in a very expensive place to live, and um, and it's just—and um, and it's not getting any better. They need revival. I mean, they need—they need a—they need, a, they need a, a spiritual revival, but they also need a political revival as well. Uh, it, it is a mess, and uh, but it it is deep rooted in Scotland. Uh, the unions are, are just—they uh, uh, they shut down the uh, uh, the shipping industry. And the, it was the European Union that actually shut down the, the, fishing, the uh, fishing industry there. It's just, uh, it's a mess. It, it's a mess. And, uh, and we just, uh, you know, I'm over there. First and foremost, I'm a Christian. Uh, I, I'm, I'm to preach the Word of God. Uh, I'm, I'm, I am to promote a Christian culture, not an American culture. And I've got to be very careful about politics. I never say anything about politics. And I try not to respond. When when political things come up, Uh, because that's just that's not what I'm there for, and uh, and and it's a different world. Um, Illegal for us to have guns, and uh, let's see here, illegal to carry pocket knives in Scotland. Get caught with a pocket knife, you'll get arrested, and you are guilty until proven innocent. You have to prove why you you have to justify yourself why you're carrying a pocket knife. Illegal. It's crazy. It is crazy. And in uh, 2013, the UN uh, uh, deemed that the United Kingdom was the most violent of all civilized countries in the world. See, I'm guessing that gun control and knife control just isn't the answer. And, uh, And the crime is very bad there. And, uh, and of course, the social problems that they have. Alcoholism is, is really bad. Uh, uh, by government standards, two-thirds of all men over the age of 17 are considered alcoholics. That is 67% of the male population. But it's almost that bad among the women. It's over 50%. This is a country that tells pregnant women that it is okay to drink two units of alcohol per day. It's, it's a mess. And of course, with that much alcohol, you can only fathom the social problems and the family problems and the domestic problems that come with that. And it's, people are hurting People are hurting. You know, they told me in Bible college, Pastor, that uh, my job would be two things. To win people to Christ and then to deal with their problems. Well, the first part's fun, amen? (laughs) I love preaching the gospel. love seeing people get saved. But some of the things that we're running into, some of the problems and the heartaches and the struggles that we run into in Scotland, they never taught us these things in Bible college. And uh, and it's just uh, they're hurting people. Uh, they have one of the highest suicide rates in the world. They're hurting people, and uh, but thankfully, we got the answer, Amen. Amen. And uh, we're doing our best to try to help people, Amen. Uh, let's do this. I see. I've got fifteen minutes, and I want. I want to just. Uh, if you would turn over Romans chapter number twelve, Romans chapter number twelve, and um, while you're turning over there. Let me find my notes here, and uh, Romans chapter number twelve. And we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 and we're going to be in Ephesians chapter number 5 as well. I'm going to look at both of those scriptures. Romans chapter number 12. We'll read both of them. And then I just want to give you a couple of very simple thoughts this morning. Romans chapter number 12, verse 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your uh, bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now if you would, Ephesians chapter number 5, and uh, and I love the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is a very practical book, and uh, and Paul wrote this to, to the uh, converts, Christians there, in Ephesus, and, uh, and very very practical book. Very, very, it speaks a great deal about God's will in, in many areas of life. But I want you to notice verse number seventeen. Verse number seventeen, I think, is very important, and it says here: "Wherefore be ye not unwise." That's chapter five, verse seventeen. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Uh, in verse number 15, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Verse 16, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. And then he says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And what he's saying here, he's saying this, is a, uh, this is something that every Christian needs to be careful. It's a warning here. Far too many Christians have been guilty of being foolish and and, uh, and not wise concerning God's will. And so what He is encouraging us as Christians to do is to strive to understand God's will in our lives. Now, the will of God is not just what God wants us to do one day. It's what God is doing in our lives now. And it's also what God has done in our lives in the past. The will of God is not just what God wants us to do, but it's God's working in our lives. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding the will of the, God, of the Lord. Truth of the matter is, I think every one of us at some point in time has been guilty Of misunderstanding what it is that God wants to do in our lives. Or what God has done in our lives. Have you ever gotten mad at God? Have you ever ever gotten upset because of circumstances that have come in your lives? Oh yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, uh, I'm there more times than I should be. And uh, why? It's simply because... I fail to understand what God is doing in my life. Now, is it it necessary that I understand it? No. But it's helpful. It's helpful. Uh, at, At the end of the day, my responsibility is I'm supposed to trust Him no matter what. But I'll be honest with you, it helps if I can make some sense of it. You know, there, there, there's, we, we, when we talk about God's will and God's working in our lives, there's, there's three basic areas of God's working in our lives. There is what, and I'm, I'll, I'll give you these three, these three different areas, and then I'll, I'll explain a little bit about it. First is what I would call the providential will of God. A providential will of God. The second would be the practical will of God. And then the last one would be the personal will of God. Now, the providential will of God, the best way to understand the providential will of God is is by understanding this. That it is those areas of our lives that we don't have any control in. That we don't have any choice about. Look, I didn't didn't have any choice about who my mom and dad were. I didn't have any choice about where I was born. I didn't have any choice about the circumstances of of the home I grew up in. Um, I, I, uh, I... I'm not much of a redhead anymore, but uh, I, I used to have lots of red hair. Flaming red hair. And my sister, my brother, and I, I all three of us have flaming red hair. And, uh, and that comes from the Scottish roots and the Irish roots in our family. But, uh, uh, but I didn't have any choice about uh, whether I had, w- was a redhead or not. Uh, I was born in Beaufort, South Carolina. My wife was born in Maine. She is, she is a Yankee through and through. I'm a southerner. Uh, and, and a Southern, Southerner through and through. All my mama's family's from Alabama. All my dad's family's from Kentucky. I like collard greens. I love grits. I even like hominy. Amen? And, uh, and it's, uh, I'm, I'm a Southerner. But uh, I didn't have any choice about that. My wife and I, we get talking sometimes, and and uh, and and comparing, you know, stories about being a, a, a northerner or southerner, and and uh, and you know, sometimes we brag about things that we just don't have any choice about. Now, I like to brag about my my Scottish history, my my heritage, but I didn't have any choice about that. I like I I like bragging, especially around my wife, uh, that I, that I'm a southerner, but I didn't have any choice about that. So many things in life. I, I have a I have a medical condition that I've had from a kid, it almost killed me as a child, and, and it's something I have to live with. I didn't have any choice about it. And you know what? If I, if I thought about it long enough, I might just get upset with God. I might get bitter. That's not the right response, though. You know, there's so many things that happen in life, in our lives, that are outside of our control. When we talk about the providence of God, uh, or or an old-fashioned word for it is the word sovereignty. That means that there are certain things that God is going to do just because He's God and He can. Uh, You know, I guess the greatest greatest, uh, example on this thing of the providential will of God is Job. You know, the things that Job faced... They were not, he was not sowing what he reaped. It was not the consequences of his own sins. It wasn't the chastisement of God. What was it? It was the testing of God. God allowed these things. God didn't kill Job's kids, but he allowed them to die. Now you know what? That can be hard to, to understand. There are things in my life that that uh, I, I, I don't I don't want to unjustly blame God. And say, God, why did you do that? But what I have to understand is that God allowed it for a reason. I may not I may not be able to understand it completely, but I've got to trust God that He knows what He's doing, and He does. You know Romans eight twenty eight is still true. That all things work together for good to them that love God. Now, it doesn't say that all things are good. Cancer is not good. Sickness is not good. Death is not good. Tragedies are not good. But God allows them for our good. You say, that's hard to understand. Yes, it is. But we've got to do our best to try to understand it. And when it's, and when the dust when the dust settles, we've got to be able to sit back like Job and say, Yet though he slay me, I will trust him. You know, you know it's it's a whole lot easier to be like Job's wife. And just say, Why don't we just curse God and die? Okay, time out. You know what? That's not trusting God. And that's certainly not giving God the benefit of the doubt. Look, everything that He does in in, in the life of a saved person, it's for our good, and it's for His glory. Amen? And don't ever forget that. And when, when problems come your way, you know what? You ought to thank God for them. Because God is doing something in your life that is going to be for your good. There are are so many things in life that are outside of our control. Don't get mad at God. Don't get bitter at God. Look, you get frustrated and you, you want to question God, you know what, that's all right. You do that. Do it privately. Do it between you and God. But before you get off your knees, I hope you get your heart right and trust Him no matter what happens. Because God is good. And He's good all the time. And never, 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 never doubt His goodness to you and I. Providential will of God. Then the practical will of God. Practical will of God is, is basically it's this right here. It's the thou shalts and the thou shalt nots. You know what, you ever You ever come across anything in the Bible and you scratch your head and you go, you know what? I don't even know if that makes any sense. Well, if God tells you to do it, you ought to do it. You know, there's so many people, they don't understand tithing tithing is us giving back to God 10% of everything He gives to us. Some people go, you know what, I just don't, I don't understand that. Well, understand this, it's for your good. It's for your good. And I learned a long time ago, I learned as a teenager, 90% of what God gives me goes further than 100%. Now that doesn't make any sense humanly speaking. But spiritually speaking, it makes perfect sense. Right. Understanding the will of God. And, and the Bible is full of the thou shalt and the thou shalt nots. Uh, there's so many things that God that he reveals to us through the Word of God for relationships, for uh for our relationship with Him, for our lifestyle. You know what, God, you get looking in the Bible, you know what? God's awful nosy. And He's very particular. Yeah. God God is interested in so many things about our personal lives. He really is. But the reason is because He wants what is best for us. You know, this is a great thought, but God, God, God knows what's best for us. And God wants what is best for us. Now, you know what, on that second one, I agree with God 100%. He wants what is best for me. I want what is best for me. Amen? I want what is best for my family. I want what is best for for, for our ministry. But the truth of the matter is, that's what God wants. Now, sometimes He and I disagree... On exactly how that all works out. Amen. But he's always, he's always right. And His way is always best. We need, we need to come to the, come to the place where we understand that everything that God is doing in our lives, everything that God wants us to do, everything that He asks us to do is for our best. Uh, you know, it, it, it's uh, it's amazing to me. God has uh, my, both my mom and dad are saved. My, my in laws are saved. Uh, they're good godly people. When we when we surrendered to go to Scotland to the mission field, uh, we got one hundred percent support from our from our extended family. That's a tremendous blessing. Tremendous blessing. What what I what I struggle with sometimes is, uh, and I know people that uh, uh, when they when they surrender to go to the mission field. That the parents give them fits. You know, when, when a young person you know surrenders to, to a call to preach and the parents get upset, you know what? I don't understand that. If that's what God has called them to do, then that's what is best for them. Why would you want anything less than what is best? Now look, I understand, humanly speaking, I've got a 19-year-old, a 17-year-old, and a 16-year-old. And God is working on their hearts. And, uh, and I, these next couple years, I'm nervous. I'm nervous as a parent. Where, where are my kids going to end up one day? It wouldn't surprise me if, 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 I have, uh, uh, my, if my kids end up scattered all over the world. Now, as a potential grandparent, I've got real problems with that. But, as a child of God, I could not be any happier than for my kids to do whatever it is that, that God calls them to do. You know, whether it's, whether it's uh, uh, working a secular job or, or, or working in the ministry, it, it's, it, to me it makes no difference. As long as they're doing exactly what God has called them to do. And you know what? Uh, this understanding God's will, boy, you know what? It, it applies to so many different areas of our lives. And it, it's, it's, uh, sometimes it's a struggle. You know, we, we think that sometimes we, we oversimplify it and we think, oh, trusting God is easy. Sometimes it's not so easy. Sometimes we've got to work at it. But when, when the dust settles, you trust God. Because look, He knows what He's doing and what He's doing is good. It's good for you and it's good for your family. Amen? Wherefore, be ye not unwise. Don't be foolish. Don't be unwise. You know what happens? When, when, we, when, we, uh, when we fall out with God and we don't understand and we struggle and we doubt God, if, if, we, do, if we don't get that thing settled, what's going to happen is we're going to get mad at God we're going to get bitter at God. And probably, if you've been in church any time at all, you've probably seen folks that have gotten bitter at God and fallen out of church. And seen people ruin their lives because they, they, they fell out with God. And it all started with a very simple misunderstanding. Now we, Paul warns us, he says, you know, we've got to be careful. It's very important. God's working in our lives. He wants to do something great. But we've got to strive to understand what it is He's doing. And trust Him above all else. Let's pray. Father in Heaven, we thank You, Lord, for the time that we've had this morning. We thank You, Lord, for Your Word. And we thank You for Your care and Your concern for us. And Lord, having, Lord, working Your will in in our lives. Lord, help us to trust You. Help us to understand what it is that You're doing in our lives. And we'll thank You for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, our time is up.